Hey, welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Executive Athletes Podcast. And this week is a special episode that we're going to dedicate to talking about the death race, one of the most rugged races on earth. But I want to thank everyone that has been listening and thank you for the comments and feedbacks. They are a tremendous help in this journey to making the podcast better and better each episode. So once again, this is unscripted and unedited, so bear with us with, you know, some, we're not professional radio personalities, so there may be some pauses, likes, you know, ums, but it's the best way to really get to know the guest. Um, I preempted the race talking about the death race, and this week's guest is actually a friend of mine through the years, and it is Joe DeSena, and one of the only guys out there to bring me to my knees and then force me to triumph, and I want to tell you a little bit about Joe's background which is highly unique. Um, Joe's the founder and CEO of Spartan Race, the world's leading obstacle racing company, and has demonstrated this entrepreneurial drive since his pre-teens from selling fireworks at age eight to building a multi-million dollar pool business in college to creating a Wall Street trading firm and now the world's fastest growing sports movement. Descent is a living definition of the word entrepreneur, and I think just recently was voted uh, Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year for 2018. But following a successful career on Wall Street, Joe moved his family to Pittsfield, Vermont to operate an organic farm, a bed and breakfast, a general store, and it is where his passion grew for ultra marathons, adventure races, endurance events, and thus the idea of Spartan Race was born. So, Joe, um, that's a quick intro. Give us a quick overview of who, who Joe DeSena is, and but we're going to jump into the death race as well. So, welcome aboard. Well, I just did a deal with Hello Kitty, so I'm a lot softer than you made me sound. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm just, um, you know, I'm just a regular guy that uh, likes to have a lot of fun. And, um, and I love, you know, Pittsfield, Vermont is a special place. And so uh, you've been there. It's magical, but it's also like the Bermuda Triangle and it's got some craziness um, in it. So if I had my way, I would never leave Pittsfield, Vermont. But we have a family now. We've been traveling around the world. We're building Spartan Race with headquarters in Boston. So uh, I'm exhausted. I'm being pulled in 50 different directions. Um, and I just do my burpees every day and try to keep up with guys like you. Perfect. Perfect. No. So tell us about this past week death race, Joe. This was, I was watching it from afar uh, and thank God it was probably one of the most epic ones I've ever seen in my life. I've been following it since the beginning, been part of many of them, but this one was something next level. It's far beyond the new and improved. This is stratospheric. Tell us a little bit about it. So this, um, really uh, put a, uh, an explanation point on this uh, idea of faces of death. You know, when I would see you out there competing or any of the old guard that were out there competing, you just looked beaten and battered throughout the weekend. And it was inspiring, right? Because somehow you muster up enough energy, male or female, big or small, to continue on. When, when really the stats and the numbers and the science, any doctor would say they can't continue. And, and somehow you folks would just pull yourself up and continue on. Well, this year, I said, I'm going to throw down the hammer. Um, I'm so tired of like reading an article or hearing some podcast talk about a tough race. Oh, this race in Africa is really tough. Or this one here in South America is really tough. And I thought, you know what? We already know that we invented the world's uh, most grueling uh, events. And so let me take it up a notch so there's never a discussion again. And so I thought, 
wouldn't it be awesome to put on a series of marathons? Because everybody understands that that number, that 26.2, that distance, right? And what it takes uh, in your heart to get through that. So what if we had a series of marathons that were the toughest in the world? So, for example, a barbed wire crawl. That was a marathon, 26.2 mile barbed wire crawl. A sandbag carry, you know, 40, 50 pounds on your back up and down a mountain for 26.2 miles. A rope climb for 26.2 miles. Uh, 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 26.2 miles of burpees. Right. And so that was that was the thesis for um, the concept for the weekend. And um, racers started. They started at uh, midnight on Wednesday night. It was very fitting. Uh, the start location. We were in a church. We gave our um, we gave our speech in the church before they started. And they uh, they chopped wood for about two hours and then they headed out over blood route. Blood Route, as you know, is a, a brutal climb up and I mean, it might as well be a Jurassic Park. And, and participants hiked up over the mountain carrying a ton of weight, literally um, 80 plus pounds on their back. Plus they were carrying a sled that we had designed that weighed over 500 pounds. Uh, they were carrying that as a team up and over the mountain through the night. And they arrived at the farm 12 hours later. So once they got to the farm, uh, we did our usual torture um, challenges. We put them in ice cold water. We had them move 3,000 pound stones. Um, we had them carry buckets of gravel up the mountain. We had them um, uh, shoveling, chopping, uh, you name it, only to find themselves uh, at hour 24 on top of the mountain that you know so well, right in the backyard. And um, what do you think I gave, I gave them then? <laughs> the burp the burpee medicine or actually didn't burpee. they have to the burpee medicine and but you know there's no death race without doing some you know doing some yard work either well we had to give them a little yard work so for a couple hours they cleaned as you know uh, we put in every death race the entire top of the mountain taking down um any any overgrown uh, trees or bushes so that was um that's just monotonous, boring, aggravating stuff, right? When you're exhausted, you're saying, what the hell am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Which is a good reason for people to quit. And then from there, it went into um, 3,000 burpees. So from midnight, from hour 24 until hour 36, uh, they did uh, 3,000 burpees. From there, they hiked down the mountain. And that's where it got interesting. That's where the marathon started. We had Beginner's Book of records uh, team ro uh, roll in. Uh, they had very specific instructions and standards. They had us build a 400 meter barbed wire track. Uh, it was extremely expensive and painful. And, um, and all the participants that were remaining would now get in under the barbed wire. And we were going to see how far they could go. Could they do 26.2 miles? Guinness book was only gonna check to see how far they made it in 12 hours. And they said, it will not be a record, although no one's ever done this before. It will not be a record unless it's over 10 kilometers in 12 hours. So um, Amy Palmieri Winters, who's missing a leg, gets out in front, and she is a machine. And behind her, there's 70 or so competitors that just can't hang on. So one guy from Canada, Eric, somehow has a good attitude, and he's about a lap behind Amy. But Amy is making it look easy with one leg. And uh, 12 hours in, uh, her and Eric had completed just over 7.2 miles under the barbed wire crawl. And uh, 
it was epic. I mean, it was epic to watch. Anybody that was there was like, and you saw it from from a distance, and you you were glad you weren't there. It was crazy. I can't imagine crawling like that, you know, around that field. I believe me. I I remember it when we had to roll through the fields, but I think it might actually be worse actually crawling like that because it's just the same movement over and over and over and just grinding dirt into your knees and your elbows. Uh, people were bloodied and battered and bruised and disheartened. I mean, it was um, it was amazing and inspiring to watch. What do you think, that's where a lot of people dropped out. What do you think, you know, allowed people to go into that next level of grit versus some of the, you know, from the people who dropped out because what was it, 12 ended up really going for it or you, you had a race to 12, but how did that, how did, you know, the mindset play into success in that versus you know, just athletic ability? Well, you know, I like to say, and I think you'll agree with me that, um, what happens in, in, in any marathon or anything that's long distance uh, like that, that's grueling, you and I are both going to get tired, right? We're going to be tired four hours in, five hours in, whatever it is. Maybe you're a little fitter than I am. And so you get, you get tired at hour eight. I get tired at hour four. You're still and tired. <laughs> we're both still tired. And, and, and now what? Now it's all mine. And so um, it's the person that can get, uh, whatever's going on out of their mind and just put one foot or in this case, one knee in front of the other. And that's, yeah, that's the difference between winning and losing. I mean, that's it, right? To focus on really small goals and just put one foot in front of the other. And, and um, I got to hand it to them. Uh, they pushed through. And then from there, we, um, we actually cut the race short because the participants looked like they were on the verge of uh of all being broken. And so we, we skipped the Everest challenge, which was going to be 26.2 miles up and down the mountain with the 80 pounds. And we went right to the, the rope climb and uh, we set a record there as well. We had uh, one gentleman do 31,000 feet of rope climbing in, uh, in about seven hours. And, um, and it was just amazing to see because every article of clothing they had on was completely shredded from the barbed wire. So they, they, they looked like they were in a Japanese prisoner camp. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> a little bit of unbroken mixed in there. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Now, how did the death race come about? You know, I know a little bit of the history of it, but tell our listeners about it because I'm sure many of them are going to be intrigued of where it started and then how to, you know, turn into Spartan. And then, you know, now we're back to the resurrection. So we've come full circle. Yeah, I am. Um... I was always interested as an entrepreneur in what made somebody tick. Why was it that, that somebody else uh, would work harder than the person next to them? And I was inspired by those people. We, we all are. And, and I had met some Eastern Europeans at a very young age that worked harder than I did. I couldn't keep up with them. And so um, I became really focused on this concept of changing your frame of reference, changing the glasses you wear in life. And, and if you had experienced really tough times, well, then the easy stuff wouldn't break you. Well, fast forward in my life, and I, I got into triathlon, I did a bunch of Ironmans and different adventure races, and I was, I was disappointed with what I saw at many Ironmans, where people would quit if it was a really rainy day or their chain broke or something happened. And I thought, gee, that term, Ironman, um, has a significant uh, sound to it. 
and you shouldn't quit if some of those, you know, outside things go wrong. And so I thought, you know what, we're going to create a race that um, purposely breaks people um, and tests their, um, their limits. And, and the people that come out the other side are, are going to be able to carry this title of like uh, unbreakable. And so that's, uh, that's how it came about. And, and no better place to do it than Pittsfield, Vermont. Right. It is a special place. And like you said, it is like the Bermuda Triangle. People get sucked into there. And it's probably one of the most iconic training venues probably in the East, if not in the country of going there. You've turned lots of people into athletes or if some people just want to get off the grid and get focused, it's probably there's no better place to do it. You have the mountains there. You have the rivers. You have all the pieces of the puzzle. I, I, I think... Lost you there for a sec. Oh, I said I, I think it's the endurance capital of the world. I mean, although there's there's not um, as many people as you and I would like coming to the town, um, it is a brutal, brutal ground zero for endurance, right, and, and resiliency and grit. Oh, it totally is. So let's shift gears a little bit here. You know, we're talking a little bit about people becoming successful or, you know, what do you feel makes people successful? You know, you're an entrepreneur, you're a kick-ass athlete, you're still out there grinding it. You know, what do you think different people, successful people differentiate from, you know, the day-to-day people? What do you think makes people successful? I think it's, um, I think it's just a couple of simple things, right? It's that, it's that ability to prioritize, like what's important. It's, um, and that's based on knowing your true north. Like what's, if you can figure out what it is that you absolutely love and want to do in life, it's going to be like a magnet pulling you through life. So, so for me, and that can change throughout life, right? For me, my first business, it was about proving myself. So I wasn't going to quit no matter what was going on. I had something to prove. Could I build a business? Could I make some money? My, you know, my next iteration of my life was, was on Wall Street. I wanted to make real money and I wanted to play in that arena and, you know, see if I could, if I could be with those, those peers, get out of Queens, New York and be in Manhattan. And then, and then my third um, mission, which has become my true north is just, I just want to get people healthy. So you got to figure out what your true north is. You got to commit like a a bulldog would commit. You got to commit publicly. You got to find people around you that are going to hold you accountable. Um, in a death race, when we uh, first started, so many people would quit right away or not show up. And I thought, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have people um, get an article written in the local newspaper that they're, com- they're committed to doing the death race this year. And once they did that, people stopped quitting because now you're on the, on the hook with your local community, your family and friends. So you got to commit, you got to commit publicly and you got to find those around you that'll hold you accountable. And then you got to be gritty. And, and the good news, the bad news is we live in a first world country where we're losing that resiliency and grit that we had, you know, just a hundred years ago. Um, but, but, but the good news is that you can um, manufacture some adversity in your life. And, and so um, don't take the easy road, right? Get off the couch, go out in the snowstorm, get wet. You're not going to drown. Um, and t- you know, take a cold shower, do some burpees, work out, um, skip the wine, skip the, uh, the dessert. And so you could train for adversity because adversity is coming. If you're running a business, 
and, and, and just reiterating what I said, if you're running a business and you know what your true north is, you really have a purpose and you're committed and you're committed publicly, right? And then you're training for adversity every single day. You're going to get through. You're, you're going to beat the competition. You're going to get to your goals. It's that simple. There, you know, I, there's no pill. Um, there's no book um, that's going to like uh, magically change things. Like you got to put in the work. You got to do it. It's always, you know, I always tell people or mentor people, do the hard things. Be willing to do the hard things because then everything else is easy. And if you jump into that, right, if you jump into that, you're not, you're not afraid. Um, when some, you know, when stuff, when shit hits the fan, <laughs> it's really what it comes down to. I agree. What about overcoming adversity? If someone's down and out, they're at hour 40 of the death race and they need to overcome to get to that next level or a business is failing or it's not making any money and you need to keep going because you see the vision. What do you think some of the keys to overcoming adversity are? I think, um, I think if you know your purpose, I think if you remember that you're committed and I think if you put one foot in front of the other, because if you get too focused on the top of the mountain, when you're at the base, it's, it, you know, you're going to be behind enemy lines in your head. And so you got to just look at the tree that's a hundred yards up to get to. And then you got to look at the tree. That's another hundred yards ahead of that. And you got to just put one foot in front of the other. And it's amazing what happens. Like, Tomorrow is going to come with or without you. So uh, it might as well come with you. And, and the, way you, the way you arrive with tomorrow is, is by just putting one foot in front of the other. It sounds simple, but it really is that simple. And, it, and talk to me about some of the books you've written. Those are a number of the principles in the books you've written. Here's, you know, you've got two, you've got a third one coming out. Tell us a little bit about the books and you know, what, how that helps the layman get off the couch and to reach success or to get to the next level? Yeah, so we've written a bunch of books um, on my third book called The Spartan Way. And in The Spartan Way, the one coming out this September, we specifically talk about, about this, about this idea that there's 10 principles. And, and these are time-tested, age-old principles, nothing different than what we're talking about right here. It's knowing your true north. It's getting committed. It's delaying gratification. It's very simple concepts that we all know, but we have to practice and get really good at them and, and not lose those skills in the modern world where everything's at our fingertips. Um, we wrote Spartan Fit, which is a, a third day guide to getting fit. It's gonna, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's not traditional training, as you can imagine, based on what you've heard here. And then Spartan Up, which was really my story and, and uh, just a wake up call uh, for people to, you know, not only smarten up, but Spartan Up, right? Get a, get a little grittier and go, go after the hard stuff, as you say. So, um, by the way, it's hard writing books. <laughs> I'm sure that's your own death race, right? Your own mental death race. That's, that's what I hear. It's probably one of the hardest things you could ever do. I agree. I heard the next thing though you have to do that really takes you out of your comfort zone is turn it into an audio book. I heard that. I heard writing the book then is easy compared to recording oh, the yeah, audio book. Much harder. I, I agree. That's, uh, that's, that's your next thing to get out of your comfort zone. What about, and, and we, you know, Joe, you've had me be part of the Spartan X series and taking this to the corporate world. I think that's another huge avenue that 
people or organizations really need. Talk to, talk to our people or our listeners about that because I think many listeners would like to take many of the philosophies that you have or that I have and bring it into their office. Tell us a little bit about the Spartan X initiative. Um, so with leadership, you mean the leadership? The leadership um, executive, yes. Yeah. The leadership events we're doing, the idea is, you know, it drives me nuts to see a successful entrepreneur or executive who makes it to the top of their game, his or her game, and is out of shape and unhealthy. And so the idea was, could we get a bunch of leaders to come out and um, be represented in the backdrop with the backdrop of a Spartan race? And we could maybe open their eyes up, open these leaders and business folks' um, eyes up to what is, um, what is possible, what's going on, what they could do to uh, marry the health and wellness and pushing harder and grit and all the stuff we're talking about here to their own businesses, their own lives. Um, because then we can make a big impact, right? Like, like our goal is to, is to get on bigger platforms and really um, uh, get this message out and change 100 million lives. And we're not going to do that alone. And so we've got to team up with companies and organizations and charities and media um, to do that. So that's, it, it, it's, uh, it's held nine or 10 places around the world, really unique. We got a Fenway coming up in, in, in Boston at, uh, towards year end. So super, super pumped. Cool. And then what do you think, you know, what role does athletics or sport or health or wellness play in professional success? You know, you've, you were on Wall Street. You saw all those guys. What is it? I like to call it or Silicon Valley, the, the world of Adderall and alcohol, right? They give you Adderall to come up and alcohol to take you down. But I think you can do that even more through health and wellness and, and exercise. You know, what do you, what role does that play in professional success? Yeah. Like we, we take you up and down too, but it's up and down a mountain. Exactly. And so if you're, if you're sweating and you're breathing heavy and you're flexible and you're mobile um, and you're eating well, you are going to be more likely to be at the top of your game, right? You can't, you can't cheat this. You could cheat it for a little while. You can go on, on um, bad fuel and not taking care of yourself, but it catches up. And then what, what have you really achieved, right? You've gotten, you've got some money, but you at the, at the expense of, of, of your life. Uh, and, and so um, I like, I like this idea of um, it's not, it's not a lifespan. It's a health span. You want to be healthy for as many years as you can. And then you want to die quick, right? You don't want to go, you don't want to have a situation where um, you're alive and the last 20 years um, is like unhealthy, living in a hospital or like that would be a disaster. So, so not only is, is living a healthy life going to get you to perform better at the time we're talking about, but it's going to have really long-term effects. And all, you know all this if you're listening. So you know this is not anything new. It's just a matter of actually doing it and living it. It's, I love that health span because that's the key, right? Lifespan, it doesn't matter if you if you're live from 50 to 100, but you couldn't do anything from being 50 to 100, right? You're hunched over, yeah. you, you have a walker, you're going down the street, you have COPD. I was actually just came back from a bike ride about, an, about a half an hour ago and I saw a guy with a walker going down the street who looked like he'd been smoking for years and years and years and he probably was only you know, 62 years old. Meanwhile, I'm you know, interviewing guys who are 62 that are doing the death race, that are, I'm doing an adventure race this coming week. And one of my teammates that um, you probably know, Dave Lamb, we've been training together, he's 58 years old and still crushing it. It's just unbelievable. So it's, you know, it's a lot of it's about mindset. Agreed. 
So here, we'll get, I, I know you get a crazy afternoon, but a few rapid fire questions for you. And then we'll get into closing here. But, you know, do you follow a specific diet? Well, I try to eat as much plant-based as I can. I mean, I slip up like everybody does. I'm not very heavy on animal protein at all. I'm just not a believer. In, um, and I know, I know everybody's on these uh, ketones, and, which is really some version of the Atkins diet. I, I just believe that um, the lighter the stuff you put in, in, in your stomach, uh, the easier it's going to be to digest. The less energy is going to be required to digest it. And I, um, I don't want to push my, my thoughts on anybody else, but, but uh, my mother was doing this stuff in the 70s. And I know lots of people that have, have worked on cancer patients um, on a plant-based diet. And if your goal is longevity, if your goal is to live, outlive your competition, uh, I believe that's the way to go. You know, if you want to have 21 inch arms and be uh, the biggest guy or girl, uh, you know, most ripped person in the cemetery, um, you get there with, with uh, a different diet. But, but if the goal is to live, like I got an 88 year old uh, friend of mine who's a doctor. He's only been eating raw fruits and vegetables for 60 years. He's in a boxing ring right now at, in Gleason gym, sparring with a friend of mine. 88 years old. He's going to come out and do a Spartan race. Only raw fruits and vegetables. So yes, he's thin, but um, he doesn't, he, he, you know, he's not depleted of protein um, because there's never been a culture that's ever had a protein problem. That's, that's a myth. Um, and, and he's doing real well at 88. Amazing. Amazing. That's no, I think, I think a lot of people and these fad diets, most people I talk to, it's sort of a lot like you, right? Eat healthy, everything in moderation, but every, you know, a lot of times you slip up, but for the most part, you sort of go back to, you know, eating, eating healthy overall. If you're at 80, 20 or even 90, 10, you're doing really well. What's your favorite piece of gear? You have a lot of, you know, you carried a kettlebell around the world for a year. You, you know, sandbags, axes. What's your favorite piece of gear that you train with? Um, I guess my favorite piece of gear is my sweatshirt. <laughs> I just love, I just love my sweatshirt. You know, I, um, I, I, it gets me through snowstorms. Um, it gets me through the rain. It sounds crazy. It doesn't make any technical sense, right? But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm cold on a flight to, to, to China, my sweatshirt. I'm out climbing a mountain. I take it off. I get to the top. I throw it on. So um, this has been my, my go-to move. I was thinking of outfitting it with like a headlamp or something. But the funny thing is, um, you know me. I'm a minimalist, right? I try to get my eyes to adjust to the dark um, without a light. And, uh, and so I go, I, I'm, I'm a minimalist. Me and my sweatshirt and my <laughs> Vibrams. I love, I love Vibrams. That's all you need. Yeah. The sweatshirt is key. You, you got to create one now that's, you know, sort of waterproof and then you're ready to go. We have, um, I made one called the ultra hoodie. Um, we sell and it's like, God, it must be 10 pounds. It's like, um, you, it's probably bulletproof. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And what was your workout today? You're probably tired from being wow. up for a hundred hours, but I'm sure you worked yeah, out. No, I didn't. I got my go-to non-negotiable. 15 body weight exercises. I do it every morning. It's, it's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, back bend, side kicks, uh, burpees, jumping jacks, uh, box jumps. Um, and everything I do is around flexibility and mobil mobility, but, 
but it's uh, my go-to move every day. Perfect. Perfect. And then where can, where can anyone find you if they want to check you out or get in touch with you? What's the easiest way? Just uh, shoot me an email, joeatspartan.com. I, uh, or you go to, you can go to justspartan.com. I, um, I gotta tell you, I, I, I've been giving my email out for years and, uh, although I get an enormous amount of emails, it's not, it's not from people out, out of my universe, uh, that are disrespectful. So if you write me an email, make it short and sweet, happy to help any way I can. And you could, you could learn more at spartan.com. Our podcast is, uh, Spartan up the podcast, I believe. Um, uh, the book is the Spartan way and, uh, Come visit on the farm someday. Come do a death race. If anyone wants more information, they can reach out to Joe. They can reach out to me. It's probably, if you want to, best way to say it, if you want to change your life, go up to the farm in Pittsfield and do the death race. You can last an hour. You can last 10 hours. You can last the whole time, but it is mind blowing. It is something that you will definitely want to come back for. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's a, the, the ultimate culmination of the fix. If you think you're fit or you want to try something different, there's really not much anything that's going to be harder than that. And it's the, uh, it's the ultimate fix. And Joe, thanks for being part of this. I really appreciate it. Um, like I said, I'll get, I'll let you get back to doing what you're doing and changing everyone's lives. You got, what do you have? 95 more million people to get off the couch. No, we got 95 to go. So we want to help. Perfect. Perfect. So, and if anyone has any questions or needs anything, feel free to reach out to me at Ken at executiveathletes.com. And again, Joe, thanks for being part of this. Thank you, sir.